Well, welcome in everybody to a new episode of League One on the Rocks. I am Brian, also known as Mediocre Ace, and um, my co-host here, you can't see him on the screen, he's feeling a little under the weather, so uh, bear with him a little bit, but uh, he's here. Rich, I'm not going to ask you how you're doing, but uh, it's good to see you here. It's good to be here, man. So I'm not feeling all that great, but... Like I was telling you when we were prepping for this episode, if Michael Jordan can play a basketball game with the flu during the NBA Finals, I can record a podcast. So let's go, man. Let's do this. <laughs> awesome. And you can find Rich on Twitter at I'm Rich, but I'm not. And uh, tonight we have a, a special guest. Um, so he's the general manager, was the general manager of FC Tucson, the director of soccer operations, interim head coach, VP of soccer operations, head coach and technical director, and now also founder and president of FC Tucson and founder and owner of the Super League team in FC Tucson, John Perlman. John, how are you doing tonight? Yeah, that's a mouthful, um, but I have pretty much held every single role here in this uh, club since uh, its inception, so uh, I guess you can't really skip anything there, but it's great to be here. Thank you both, Rich and Brian, for having me. It's it's a pleasure. It's great to have you in. And uh, I will tell you before we get started that the FC Tucson holds a soft spot in my heart, and it is because of you, actually. Um, I don't know if you remember, but when you came up and played Union Omaha at Creighton Stadium, um, Morrison Stadium, there was uh, there was a fan sitting behind your bench and was heckling you a little bit. And you took it all in stride and uh, even gave me a thumbs up for for giving you some slack. So um, you made a lifelong fan out of me for, for dealing with me. So, Well, first just, of all, that was an amazing environment. And, you know, Omaha had had our number. And that game, we uh, won the game on uh, uh, Charlie Dennis PK. Um, we actually had scored, but they – They'd called the rule to PK before the goal went in, so that was kind of a nerve-wracking moment. And it was a, a great Oma team that obviously got its revenge in a shockingly terrible fashion for us. But uh, I've enjoyed more than anything, and I tell this to a lot of people, I love being home. Obviously, I love our home fans, but I love away days. I love the heckling. The Northern Colorado fans are incredible, creative. The Omaha fans were always in that in that environment. It was much easier for them to yell at me, but uh, – Really enjoyed Northern Colorado and Omaha, and just I'm here for the banter. I mean, if you're if you're not yelling at the other coach and you're not trying to get in his head, I mean, you're not really doing your job. So uh, I let it go during the game. I usually have a couple of, of cracks, maybe that I'll throw back in there. But again, I I know everybody's just trying to compete and loves their team, and um, I just respect people for showing up in various conditions and weathers and being strong fans. I mean, that's what it takes to uh, grow a league and and to grow. Grow, grow soccer to its ultimate full potential in this country. It's awesome. Um, so we'll kind of just jump right into uh, your time with FC Tucson. Obviously, you've been there since 2011. Um, what made you want to come to FC Tucson in the first place? Well, the inception of FC Tucson really came, you know, in, in 2011 with the concept, really 2010, December, was the concept of, we hosted our first MLS preseason match here, and that was Sporting Kansas City and the New York Red Bulls. And just a bunch of guys who came together, and I was really just asked to help uh, former Phoenix Rising coach Rick Sanchez put a team together to play against the uh, Red Bulls 
on the one day, and then the, and then we were going to play the Arizona Saguaros, who are a, a, a top uh, U.S. Open Cup, you know, sort of amateur team that came out of Phoenix. And then the, the showcase game was the Red Bulls uh, playing against Sporting Kansas City. So um, we pulled that all together, played it at high Corbett, turfed in a baseball field, and 11,000 people came to watch that match. So we thought we really had something. So I actually came on as a – and we were all – we had four uh, – managing partners at that point, myself, Rick Schantz, Chris Keeney, and um, Greg Foster. And, and we, what I really wanted was to have us have a team where the best players in Tucson could compete at League Two and have that opportunity. And the event was a way to raise money to be able to have the team is how we looked at it. I mean, we had no sort of clue about how well events were doing. We were all, all a lawyer, a ticket guy, and, and two coaches. We weren't event producers, but um, – with the grace of us working with Pima County to change the spring training fields, which spring training had left Tucson and moved to Phoenix completely with all new stadiums. We converted those fields and managed to get, you know, David Beckham in, in the galaxy to come in the following year for our first uh, desert cup. And obviously I have all the gratitude to David Beckham for really funding the franchise as we worked through our, you know, understanding really how to, how to run a, a team and a company. But, um, yeah, that was the inception, and really at that point was when I took on the GM role. Rick was the head coach. We worked hand-in-hand. Hand. Um, my job was to get Rick fantastic players. His job was to put them on the field and motivate them, and uh, we had, we've had we had such a remarkable set of players come here, a list so long and, and so, so stand out. And, um, you know, that was the first role I had here all the way through 2017. Nice. Well, and so, I mean, since you've been with the club for so long, I mean, I can't imagine that you haven't received offers from other club. What specifically has kept you in Tucson since 2011? Well, I was here all the way in 2011, 2017, when we we, we sold to Rising. At that point, after the summer, um, oh, actually, we sold in the in the fall of 2017. Rick and I decided to do that. At that time, he was with Phoenix Rising. For 2018, I did join Oklahoma City staff, Steve Cook, and now head coach of Phoenix Rising, Danny Stone, uh, in Oklahoma City. So for me, that was a year I really I really wanted to grow as a coach and, and understand the USL Championship because my goal was to coach professionally at the highest level and, and work in the championship, whether it was in the, the front office. So I was coaching the League Two team. I was assisting Danny and Steve and Alexis Vizarellis, who are my three, three of my best soccer friends still to this day. And um, then I came back in 19 as director of soccer operations. My family wanted to stay here. My daughter was graduating high school. And then obviously the opportunities as we became League One to be the director of operations, then promoted to VP of operations. And then obviously the time on the bench, which I got to share with you uh, all the way through the um, till we, uh, you know, we ended up having the franchise uh, sold and our ownership uh, change hands into mine. But uh, offers do come, and, you know, the way the company is structured now, you know, I mean, I'm always looking for challenges and where I can be most helpful for any organization. I am grateful to have so many friends, and and I think anybody who works in soccer is helping all the time and talking to people and, you know, whether it's Danny as he was approaching, you know, getting his opportunity, which is, again, such a great hire. There isn't a better guy in soccer than Danny Stone, and I wish him all the best. Um, or, you know, talking to John Harks about players that I had that he would have, or John Bradford at North Carolina who picked up a bunch of our guys and wanted to – again, I, I'm always for players um, 
my job as a coach is to always take care of the guys that have been put in my stead. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always open. There have been offers and opportunities at different places and in different moments, but you know, obviously my heart will always be in trying to have this, this uh, opportunity for Tucson kids and Tucson players, because I've been working in the youth and in in this, in this area for the last, you know, 25 years. So um, I'm always going to feel the most attached to this market probably. Yeah, definitely. And so, I mean, not just with uh, FC Tucson itself, but you also have a history as a U.S. soccer scout. Um, so how kind of was recruiting different during your stages in college and at FC Tucson? Yeah, I mean, the the soccer scouting job was uh, a, a great opportunity for me. Uh, scouting players and recruiting, is it's it's always similar. Um, in U.S. soccer, to be fair, the position I've had – a great, you know, over 15 years there. Um, and really shout out to Greg Vanny for recommending me and giving me the opportunity in his early years when he was coaching RSL's Academy in Casa Grande, um, which I had sent some players to play at. But um, understanding, you know, what makes a good player and what are the key qualities and what are uh, the outstanding qualities of a player and U.S. soccer being able to help me, you know, put that in more of a objective fashion instead of making it a subjective. And and the, and the work I've been able to do there to understand better how to recruit players and how to value them. Obviously, for U.S. soccer, I'm, I'm looking for anyone who can play for the national team. So I can be discounting a lot of players in for the 23s in the national team that I would die to have on my USL League One team. So looking at some of those players, seeing them come through, the academy helped me pick up players for League Two. Other relationships I built while working for U.S. soccer, sitting there with coaches, helped me recruit players for both USL League Two and USL League One. But, I mean, I've always had an idea of the kind of players that I thought would be best suited for Tucson. And when we recruited here, we've always chosen, tried to choose those type of players as best we can. Obviously, when you have an owner, you have a budget and you have, you know, uh, limitations on what you can do. And um, so you have to work within those sometimes the constraints that are not maybe conducive to performing at your optimal way. But again, those challenges also make you better as a scout and as a coach. So um, for me, I have the qualities I particularly like. And also obviously personality wise, I know there are players. I am not the be all end all coach or the be all end all recruiter of players. There are coaches that are going to thrive in other environments in Tucson for a number of reasons and other than with me. And so even if a player is here and I think that they can thrive somewhere else, it's not a good fit. There's no, I try not to have any sort of angst about that. I try, I try to talk to that player and go, look, how can I make you happy? How can I help you realize your goal? How can we come to a mutual situation? But we've had a lot of great players come through here for the most part. And I, I'd like to hope I've had more hits than misses. But, uh, you know, again, it's really, it's really hard when you're scrutinizing everything about a young player who's doing everything he can to make himself uh, available to whatever level that he wants to play at or she. And so, again, I'm always aware of um, the words you say and the things you say and how you describe or how you let someone down or how you talk about another player to another coach, always to adhere to the idea of I'm going to tell you about all their great qualities. I'm going to tell you about some of the things that are important for you to understand if you're going to have them be a fit uh, without, you know, trying to stop someone's career or a redemption story or anything like that. So. Well, so we've kind of talked about players a little bit, um, and we mentioned it earlier, but FC Tucson uh, was in League One. 
uh, for part of their lifespan. So is there something that you miss the most? And a, a, another hard question as well, what is the least thing that you miss about playing in League One? I love League One. I, I wouldn't say – I mean, I love – I love the life of lower league soccer. I mean, I love soccer, but I, I mean, you could say in Tucson, well, you had from a travel standpoint and shout out to Fresno and then Spokane right now, my former goalkeeper coach Vito Higgins knows, knows the travels of Tucson all too well. And those are incredible challenges, but we loved, we loved the roadies. I mean, I love, I like flying. <laughs> I like the flights. <laughs> to me, it's the only time I have to decompress when you have kids and you have responsibilities. And so, I, there's the thing I like. I like hotel food. I like we liked finding the best ice cream. I mean, we liked everything about being a coach in USL. Some of the fields and some of the venues, I think, as as they're getting upgraded, I think all everyone would acknowledge the challenge. I mean, nobody wants to play at high schools or have to go to Tormenta and take a bus. Just not because we don't love playing in South Georgia. Or respect, you know, all uh, Darren. We have so many. I have so many friends in that league, Ian, and amongst them, but. Yeah, I mean, there's certain challenges I want to do, but I loved. I don't. I miss every part of it. I love to compete. I mean, we we had so many memories. We made so many. Uh, we had so many great matches. We created so many opportunities for players to move up. You know, players from our team last year or from a couple of years ago were now champions with North Carolina. We have guys that are stalwarts. I mean, Luca. I think you realize his value at Omaha. I mean, he's absolutely. So again, I miss all my guys. I'm very close. Charlie Machel, who's at, you know, at, at Lexington, was at Lexington last year, is here. His wife still lives here. I mean, again, my roots to League One are incredibly, incredibly close. I have great friends, including John Harks, amongst John Bradford, amongst all those guys that I just highly respect and just we love to try to help help, help players, and that's really what we're about. But uh, there's nothing – I mean, look, I mean – yeah, do I do I miss when you guys had you know the turf just put in in the semifinal match and it was coming out <laughs> while we we're playing? Yeah, that was. But again, I I love the Omaha environment. We loved that you had you had great fans. Um, um, the teams were always great. Um, but everyone's trying to improve their facilities, and I give a hats off to every single owner investing their hard-earned dollars into a league that's going to take a while before they see the the true returns on those investments. So, I'm a very Globally, I, I I just think very, very globally about all these things. I'm humbled that I had a chance to have a bench and many guys who are much better than me. I'll say that. And not that I don't think I have great qualifications. I'm proud of what I've, but many guys have not even had a chance to have a pro bench that absolutely deserve it as a head coach. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm humbled that I had the opportunity. I would love to have it again at some point, if that's what fits this organization or any organization I'm part of, but, most of all, I, I liked the idea of League One. I like the fact that now there are more opportunities for every single player in this country to stay playing in this country and to grow and develop. And since we have League One players that have gone all the way to premiership teams and we've had League One players go all the way to MLS, this is what it's it, it shows the purpose and the need for, for a league like this. Yeah, it definitely does. And I, I will say, at least from my standpoint, I also miss FC Tucson in the <coughs> league. And not only because it is one of my favorite places to visit in the country. I've been there a couple times. So um, that would be great to see you guys back in the league at some point if it if that is in the cards for you guys. Um, so I know we spoke a little bit. I think you might have touched on it a little bit. Um, 
But if I had to give you the choice, which one do you prefer more? The closer away days in League Two or the competitions in League One? 100% away days in League One. I mean, we lo- like I said, I love – listen, for all it was, I'm still platinum pro in American Airlines thanks to League <laughs> One. I mean – um, I get bumped. I would never have able to gain the mileage that I'm able to gain. I've been bumped up. Listen, I like I said, um, our airport in Tucson is amazing. Their Fly Tucson was a great sponsor for us. Uh, do I like? I mean, listen, the League Two van stories I have for you with with Aaron Long and pros that you can't imagine are too many to to talk about, and and we love that part too. But uh, I wouldn't say either one. They're all unique. They're all travel is part of team building. And those moments in the airport and those moments on the flights and the conversations and the player, different players you end up sitting next to at different times and the rise that you have and the adventures that you have are such a huge part about it. So I know I've seen Bayek. Look, nobody likes driving back in the middle of the night. Those are miserable times when your back starts to hurt. And I remember Rick Schantz lying on the ground in the road because his back was out and clearly on the pavement as we were changing a tire. But, again, those are the stories. Those That's the rich, you know – tapestry if you will of of lower league soccer so to 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 say you don't love it and to say that isn't a, a key part of it isn't but yeah we we had an amazing team of of planners and admins and we, i've had the best here and many of them have moved all the way up into mls teams and and for a reason because we we put so much time into that part of it so we're always finding the best routes the best places to stop the coolest place to share with the players and the best way to do it so knowing that you're doing that makes those trips a lot easier and and you look more forward to them so uh, I do have a question here in the live chat that pertains a little bit to League One. Uh, John Hunt uh, would like to know what your thoughts on the USL in-season cup are and if there was anything planned for USL two teams to play or uh, to play USL one or C teams in a tournament style. So first of all, I think the in-season cup is great. And I love all the things that are really sort of being pushed by USL in terms of, you know, promotion relegation. You can see that they're, they're closer to having those opportunities and they're working through the bugs and that. Uh, but the league cup is great. Look, whether you're a top tier, but I mean, the idea that we're one league and that there's opportunities to compete and show that, you know, those teams can hang. And look, the open cup has been prime evidence, including Omaha specifically, of how good league one teams are and that if a league, a championship team drops, tries to play their bench against a league one team, it's not going to go well. If you don't have the level of concentration, likewise, league two teams are shown to championship teams and to league one teams. If you're not going to roll out your best 11, we have tons. I mean, again, if I look at my league two teams, my last league two teams in 2017 had four MLS. I mean, future MLS guys plus guys that played in foreign countries in the that team would 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 be a league one champion so again I intercompetition is great the challenge with league two is it's hard enough for us to get our games in in that period of time and keep our players in keep our rosters intact I don't know where I could put in a single extra fixture other than you'd literally be opening up against I mean if you're gonna have the open cup which I think is something that has to stay it's just such a a beautiful concept and a league and a league or us having any participation in any type of league cup, I think is almost an impossibility in terms of the scheduling and the amount of games you'd have to have and the size of roster you'd have to have, because at the end of the day, what you see constantly, and I say this, look, 
you can go for it. And I love Sac Republic and Mark and I Briggs and I've talked. Open Cup to me is fool's gold for a lower league team because if you get it, I mean, you're not going to get it probably. I mean, it's happened for the Rochester, but your odds are. But the sacrifice you make to get there, nobody's had an Open Cup run and mixed it in with a great league season. It just does not happen. It is hurt. It hurt Omaha. It hurt uh, it hurt Sacramento in their league, in their playoff run. I mean, because you just don't have a deep enough roster because you have to play all of your top guys all the time. You're playing, you're adding Wednesdays, you're going Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, and then you have to add games later that got knocked out from Open Cup. And and players, when you, after all the adrenaline rush and you end up losing the semifinals, the, the downfeel of that and the body and the periodization and the messing with that is, it's, it's brutal. Look, I... I would have loved. I mean, there's a certain like number of rounds you want to go, and then you then even the, so, do you want to win the money? Yeah. So the money matters when we were league league two, and I have a great story of where we won in pens and we and Des Moines won outright, even though we beat a higher level team, and Des Moines ends up getting the the fifteenth. I was at that time it was like a crushing financial blow for us, and I just couldn't believe the technicality and the rule because if you go to overtime, it's considered a draw just a little super nerd trivia for whoever's in on this, but, but the reality was, you know, in my last year in 22, we beat, we beat Las Vegas and all, we were literally 83rd minute beating Cal United. And I was going to get a dream, which is to play against the galaxy and have an opportunity to coach against Greg and somebody who, you know, would help me. And, uh, you know, obviously to play the galaxy with FC Tucson is when we played the dynamo in 2013, but you know, the further you go, the further you're putting your goals for your league on the line um, and your team's bodies on the line to take an injury that could stop you from having, you know, ultimate regular season glory. So it's always a trade-off. But um, to, to answer your question, I don't think it's feasible with Open Cup for League Two. I, I welcome it in League One if they can schedule it thoughtfully. And then I think there might be have to be some decisions on that cup and having some qualifications too, because if you're trying to get every team in and doing that, it may have some challenges or you're going to have to look at the uh, length of your schedule. And that, that really hurts when you're trying to generate revenue with home games. So this is all the business mix of the technical. I'm a technical guy at heart, but I know every single thing that you possibly know about the business at this point due to the roles I've had. So I'm always trying to marry, but my heart always flows with technical, but I marry that to the, to the business needs of a club. Um, so, I mean, talking about the business needs, it, it does go into, um, unfortunately the relegating to league two, um, was at what point in the season did you know that FC Tucson was going to take that path to drop down to league two? Uh, we didn't know till, till, till the season ended literally, um, uh, literally, uh, uh, literally right after the season ended. I mean, I think we had some rumbling. We knew, I mean, you know, I was in the ops side of it. I knew we were, it was a, a physical challenge. I mean, COVID was tough on everybody. Uh, that season on top of, I don't know if you know, we had like seven rainouts and rain delays where we had to clear the stadium for lightning. I mean, I loved the team we had in, 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 in 2022. I love the staff. I think it's the best work I've ever done. I know it sounds weird saying that finishing 11th place, but uh, we, we had, we just lost, you know, we couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. We managed to steal 
defeat from the jaws of victory on occasion. And I mean, there were five moments that could have changed our season, but we knew from the commercial side because of our venue and because of the way it's set up without suites, without these opportunities, we just needed a stadium solution. And that's really what our, our owner who's remarkable guy and a close friend, Brett Johnson. And I can't wait for Rhode Island to come out and I can't wait for Ipswich to win the championship and be in the Premier League. Cause this guy loves American soccer. He's a great guy. Uh, so they, I, I kind of sense of it. I would have never put him on the spot because my focus was to be on the team and, and to win every game possible, even when we're out of it to beat mass in the last game. But, you know, we knew the numbers were dire and, and this, this venue was not really conducive, although it's a great venue to watch a game. And, you know, from a view standpoint, the, the, the locker room, the training fields, we love, but commercially the need for suites and the need to be able to do certain things in a venue uh, and the upgrades necessary to get enough revenue to make it make sense. It just, we're not, we're not there at this point. So we kind of knew. And so I wasn't, I, I mean, I, I live as, as dev as hard as it was. I mean, to be fair, I mean, from a coaching standpoint, I was like, well, I better have a good, I had a great year the year before I better have a first good 10 games or have a story to tell. Why? Cause again, you finish 11th, you got to tell the story why you should be retained. So but once we knew that, you know, I sort of pivoted into the mode. I want to keep soccer in Tucson, Brett and and Justin Papadakis. How do we keep the flag here? How do we make sure all the work that all of us have done as a league, as as owners, as as people, to keep you know a, a marquee, the, the original League One franchise, the first team to commit into into League One, and then how do we make sure that we have find a way back and have a path back? And make sure we keep high level soccer here in Tucson. So, and so that kind of goes into a fan question as well that we have from Benjamin, who is at that one FedEx guy. Uh, and he would like to know do you feel like the drop to League Two has been a beneficial experience or just a necessary pill to swallow for now? Beneficial, I don't, I mean, it's beneficial, is a tr it's beneficial for the organization fiscal. I mean, again, I did not buy the organization from Brett Johnson. What I did was I acquired the logo and I acquired the rights to the team again. And I asked the league, could I have my original franchise and would Brett be okay with that? So it's not like I had to deal with the, I didn't take on what was the former company. So we started, we get to start sort of from scratch again. Uh, uh, what I would say is the numbers, even if you want to do league league two the way, and the expectations our fan have from game experience coming from league one and the level of players. So we, we went full bore and we spent, you know, strongly to have a team that was amazing last year and was just seven, one and four. I mean, and not make the playoffs. I mean, how do you lose one game and not make the playoffs? It was very tough, but it, yeah, I think overall it's beneficial, but make no mistake about it. I never didn't want to have a League Two team here. I mean, for B ownership or a championship team or a League One team, you should truly have a League Two team. It makes no sense not to have one. You can have players for the summer. You can then supplement your roster by having those teams. Now, in the West Coast, it's a lot more expensive to have a team here than it is in the East Coast. So for an East Coast team, you can have a League One team. There's economies of scale. You're taking van rides if you got some housing or you have play or a huge pool of players in that area. But remember, in Tucson, you don't have a major D1 university here. You have to house 
players outside. We have amazing, we've had very good players from Tucson, but if you want to be a national champion, which is always our goal, you have to get some players from the outside. And then we're traveling to California in the summer where the hotel rooms are $179 a night where I can't. And, you know, whereas if you're going to New York, you're, you're driving from, you know, New Jersey, whatever, Oh four. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a, a 15 minute drive there and back, whatever it is, or, you know, the Massachusetts teams are all within a half hour, which is again, a very good thing. I mean, we'd love to get more teams in Arizona. We got Arizona Arsenal. We're working hard. I mean, there should be an Arizona division, frankly. I mean, there's enough talent here uh, to do that or in Arizona, New Mexico, or however we want to slice that, but we have to go to Southern California. They're adding more Southern California teams. And again, that just adds additional fiscal burden on us. So, I love league two. I love playing the best. So, I mean, I couldn't be happy to be in a conference with Ventura. You know, we've had times where we've gone seven and zero on the road in the Southern California conference. So I'm, I love the competition, but again, looking at all the business side, we're always trying to marry those two pieces because we want to have the best players here. We want to give them the best housing, the best food, the, the, the most training sessions, the coolest gear, but it's a business. And, you know, you have investors now, especially, you know, doing the crowdfunding, they want to know, you know, they want to see like, that their money is going into, they can see it on the field, that they see that the product is good. They're seeing new improvements to their concessions, to their their offerings, to their shirt. You know, they want to know that you're investing their capital into things that they can benefit from. So I love being in League Two. Uh, it was necessary. Uh, we were not in a position yet to understand. And it's a, it's a, always going to be a venue situation for us here right now. We have to solve venue for Super League. We have to solve venue for League One or Championship, which we are – Obviously, an ideal championship market as well should that be the path because if you look geographically, it's way easier for us to jump in with Orange County, San, I mean, uh, Orange County, Tulsa, New Mexico, Colorado. I mean, you're basically looking at the, a, a quicker, cheaper travel footprint. Um, and obviously, Phoenix being a natural rival allows you to have a game that's really a, a proper derby where you're going to have, you know, four games a year hopefully and and then you're 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 drawing you know eight ten thousand people because of the venom between the cities and the just the natural rivalry and rivalries are super important i know there's uh quite a few uh as well in league one which kind of leads into um another question here for you about league one um so FC Tucson has the rights to rejoin uh, League One. How soon could we see that happen? Or is it even on the table at this point? Well, it's on the table. Um, and like I said, it's it's the venue solutions here. And we're obviously in conversations with three or four places and three or four entities on how the best way. We love our partners at Pima County. We've had numerous discussions with them about what they might be willing to do in terms of venue here, in terms of what we have, you know, there's other there's other venues related to baseball being here previously that may have a chance for a, a co-tenancy with someone else. So again, we're we're having those conversations at a high level, looking at potential agreements, all of that. For me, again, we have investors that have interest in having a professional men's team here and a women's team here. We are investors that have that interest. But with investment and the final move to 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 go into market and choosing which year you do that, that really, you obviously know that the World Cup is going to give everybody 
who owns a franchise here, great boost. You know that the valuations are probably going to go up and it's going to cost you more if you're in after or, or and not. But uh, the reality is that to go in and to, to, to go in and, and have it not happen right again would would be would be the death. So for me, it's 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 caught it's aggression with caution, which is how I coached and how we played. So we really want to be back up. We have the rights to do that. Our rights in the terms of the agreements that we have have a shelf life on them in their current term format. Um, so again, you know, I think world, I think 26 as a, as a, as a world cup year would be, you know, I mean, you could say that we're looking obviously ideally in the next three years to get both the women's and the men's to where we hope to have it. Um, but our job right now in, in 24 is to win a national championship to point more, a better spotlight to get our community even more. The better we do here, the more events we have here, the better we show our, our partners and our sponsors that allows us to have the capital to do it exactly right and have the venue exactly the way we want it to be. Nice. And I mean, <clears throat> so we've, and thank you to everyone for the questions in. I did know that people would ask me. This is great. <laughs> yeah, we've got uh, we've got quite a few. Um, one from Morgan O'Rear, which I think you touched on earlier, uh, wants to know: Do you still keep in touch with former players and coaches? One hundred percent. Couple things. Number one, obviously, uh, um, starting with Aaron Long. Uh, you know, with a national team, with LAFC, with um, with the Red Bulls. I mean, Aaron, you know, helped us start here. He played here three years for us, of course. Luis Barraza, New York City FC. When my time in Oklahoma, Daryl DK right now coming off his injury from West Brom. All of my guys that have ever played here that want to keep in touch, I keep in touch with them. They, we have – what's more important to me than them keeping in touch with me is they keep in touch and support each other. Obviously – Tate Schmidt playing for the Houston Dynamo last year, doing his knee injury, but doing so well that he got a new contract here. Shout out to Tate. Obviously, John Gallus, shout out to him at Lane United right now, battling through cancer and just just keeping in touch with him. Vito, now at Spokane. Um, Louis Perez, Raheem Summersall, two of my first calls to congratulate them. We always kept in touch. Louis is a guy, was a guy really I was building the team around. He was – languishing at left back with the Riverhounds as a reserve and showed his quality as an attacking player. And I just visited him in Paris. Uh, Charlie Machel, I went to see him in Newcastle, and he's here right now helping us out in the preseason with Montreal being here. I mean, I'm just giving you some names of guys that you know from League One. But, yeah, of course, I mean, you know, for me, my job as a coach, it doesn't end. You know, Luca is a great player. I have so much faith in him. He gave me 32 games. He played every single minute of the entire season. Um, it was a shock to me that he had, you know, he had never been injured before last year. I know he's going to come back even better. The, the core pieces, Carlos Marancio, if we could have put the ball back in the net, it would have been amazing, an amazing season. But, yeah, we really we really have a tight family here, and they all keep in touch. And, uh, you know, the excitement of Tommy calling me right after and, and thanking me for my part with him as a youth player and his part that he played here at FC Tucson playing in our academy with FC Tucson playing um, last year as, as a left back in the in League Two with our team. That that's what makes it worthwhile for me. The drug for me is seeing other people succeed. That's the only reason I do any of this. Just watching 
them grow and have those opportunities are, are the most important pieces. So it's a very tight knit family here. I think you you would be hard pressed to find an FC Tucson player who came here. It didn't say it was one of the great experiences and a formative experience to them being a professional or just in their life as a, as, as a great time that they remember. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And I mean, obviously with all of the names that you just listed off, um, and I think anybody that has watched FC Tucson in League Two or in League One know kind of about the legacy that FC Tucson has. Um, and I mean, you've had so many of these players and coaches come through your club and excelling. Um, so what are you more proud of, the dominance on the field or to the development of the players and personnel? I mean, I think you, you love to win for your community and always for me, you know, the first time I got to coach here and we, I opened and it was the 3rd of July game against Revs 2 and my good friend Clint PA who works, you know, with the Revolution, a guy I worked with at U.S. Soccer and winning that game and celebrating that with my family here and, and feeling the fans and the energy with that. I mean, obviously winning is always part of it and winning is part of development. So I think they go hand in hand, but obviously the most important thing, especially from the League 2 legacy and the League 1 goal was we're going to win a championship here and our best players are going to move on to higher leagues and we're going to rebuild. It was never how you can live here your entire career. We wanted to have players. And if anybody wanted to live here, coach here and build a life here, we were always going to make that happen for them. Um, Sebastian Pineda, who was my captain in 2017 is now on the coaching staff here for league two. He's on the coaching staff for league one. He has a home here. He now coaches our U19s, our youth club, Again, people wanted to be back here and have great memories of that. But obviously, I mean, when you've had a player play in a World Cup like Aaron Long, when you've had Luis Peraza's being in Yankee Stadium and 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 stand up and shut out and play against Tigres, you know, I mean, those moments, Tate Schmidt, I mean, the list goes on and on of guys who have done it. But even, you know, the fact that anyone is be able to play and said, thank you, I got to I realized my dream of playing even just one year in league one and got to play professionally. And now I, you know, I mean, guys like Dallas J who started here, who I played against going against them was always a treat to do that as well. And spending that quality time. But again, we were always development is number one. I've worked in youth development my entire career. I never thought I would have a pro bench. It was never an aspiration. Although, you know, I was, I mean, it was not that I, that was not why I was in what I was doing. I was like someday, but when it happened, it was great. But the reality was that I took the most joy about being able to go across the country and see players I'd coach and coach against them and then talk to players about and understanding even better to be a better mentor, what the challenges were for a player playing pro soccer with the travel, with the, long, the length of the season, all things I learned about in the last 21 and 22 that I couldn't have spoken to in the first person. I mean, I had, I would put those people with other people that I knew what they had to do. So they had the right mentorship, but it, it allowed me to grow and all the things I've done here and all the positions I've had, the players have benefited from that. And that is the most important thing. I'm a teacher. I was a high school teacher to begin with. I was a, I taught fifth grade, you know, I'm an educator. My family is a family of educators. My dad taught medicine. My mom was a teacher and a guy's counselor. My stepdad was a principal and a, and a teacher. So giving whatever I know, which is, is limited. <laughs> uh, I try to give it as, 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 as fully and wholeheartedly. And if, if, if players 
get anything out of it and they're able to take their experiences with me or here into the next level. That's really, the, the, like you said, the biggest thrill for me. So, I mean, we've talked at length about FC Tucson and all of the stories that you have as well. Uh, so I have to ask, do you have a favorite FC Tucson moment? Favorite FC Tucson moment. Um, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to pick I, just because there were so many unique moments. I think they all had their, their periods in time. I can point to a couple moments that I think just from, from certain years that were just, just remarkable. I mean, you know, the first, the first year we ever did a game to the playoffs and watch and who knew this would be the case watching, you know, in our first playoff game, Donnie Toya, who played left back for 10 years in the MLS lineup against DeAndre Yedlin on the right-hand side, not knowing both of them would have extraordinary. I mean, you, you kind of saw that. Um, and with Aaron Long in that game, uh, really exciting 2013 going to the Open Cup. That was amazing. Then we just had a run of great teams. Um, and then, obviously, us, the first pro game, you know, when Darren was coaching, we won in Orlando, going 1-0 the first year, and being able to be part of the first game that we ever played and traveling with that game and them allowing me to do that as the director of operations. That was a, a, an incredible experience. And then the one I talked to you about winning, winning that match um, – against on the 3rd of July, which is one of our biggest games in front of all those fans in my opening game when we really needed a turnaround and, and needed a win. And I wanted to give that to the fans uh, and the players, obviously the ones who delivered that, but um, yeah, I mean, and then I would say obviously in, in 21, the quarterfinal win over, over Richmond and towards the death, um, you know, at home, be able to share that with my family and, and the fans. I mean, incredible. Uh, uh, and, and the Creighton game you said was one of the best away days. Away ones. And I wish, I wish you guys played all your games at Creighton. I think you'd, you'd sell it out. I think it's a better surface. Uh, I think it's 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 remarkable. I mean, I understand all the reasons why it doesn't happen. But that was quite a. I mean, that was a great game, a great turnout, and uh, you know, just a, a, a terrific environment. Showed showed everyone what League One is becoming and what it can be. And uh, those are some of the real standout memories for me. And then just so many drafts where you see players getting drafted and the debuts of those players and watching Aaron, Aaron make the world cup team. I mean, there's just so many great memories. Um, so we have to ask this. It's an, uh, an obligated question here. Do you like the idea of having promotion relegation inside of league one or inside of the USL? A hundred percent, 100%. I think it's great. I think, Obviously, the trick is to make sure you're valuing the owners that were there at the beginning and finding a way fiscally to make it work for everybody who came in there, bought championship franchises, whether that looks like three divisions set up and, a way, and how many teams are able to be promoted and what the requirements are that you have to meet. If you do get promoted, obviously, you know, Luton Town had to do – I mean, every it's designing that so it works here, but 100%, it adds a lot to it. But, you know, there are there are tricky pieces that you have to look at you know, whereas, you know, you're getting playoff games, which are amazing in, in one way. So are you eliminating the playoffs altogether after the, or during, in, and, uh, or, or, or does the promotion happen after that? Because again, you know, if you're, 
if you if you're just doing promotion relegation having just a league champion i mean what's how is the second place team reward you know in the in the highest league rewarded with a chance you know how is the it's it's those pieces but 100% for it 100% i mean but it's easier for a, a league one former guy to say that than a a, a person who has you know a 10,000 seat stadium in the champ just like it's easier for for uh, lower league teams to be excited about relegation than Man City for cheating on every single, you know, <laughs> potentially on every single player and then going down, and then and the and the, and the and the what that does to their to their model. So, yeah, I I honestly didn't think I was going to be able to like you anymore, and then you throw out the Man City <laughs> bashing a little bit. I like it. I'm good with it. Um. So I mean. We've gone through quite a bit here. Um, the only thing that we really haven't touched on a whole bunch is the club being purchased by Phoenix Rising. Um, that was earlier on, obviously. Um, but, you know, what kind of led to the purchase of the club and how did that kind of change the club operations? Yeah, I, I think, you know, so at the time, you know, obviously – you know, USL was still in not in its heyday, and, and so we we really wanted to to get. We, originally, we were designed as an operation group. We were in a high capital group. We were looking to raise capital and bring in capital so that we could operate a team. We were expert operators. We felt with good technical background. Um, so as we as you know, you know, Greg, my, or you know, Chris Keeney left. We were then three, four became three working owners. Then. Greg Foster had a great opportunity at Cornell. Three became two, and then Rick was hired, so two became one. And we hadn't been able to find the 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 uh, the partner that we needed from a, a capital standpoint. And it's it's again, it's a, all these teams are grassroots efforts, and it was a lot of. And when we approached Rising and Rick was working there, it was, it was just Rising's ambition was like, look, we believe someday we're going to be the highest level. We are that we want to be the highest level here. We want to we want everyone to fall in love with rising in soccer in the state, you know, completely. We want to invest in Tucson. And I think, and again, I will say this, first of all, grateful for that that opportunity because we would not have been a league one without Phoenix Rising taking the risk on, on us. And so, but the challenge was, you know, rising, it it was more, you know, like the trap it was more, I think, than they thought it was initially in their modeling. And uh you know, so when they have to look at it, when you're trying to operate two teams at the same time and you're really designed more to operate one team, and it's a stretch. And, you know, you know, Tucson's a very unique market. I think I think it would just became very challenging for them in terms of them doing a great job with Phoenix Rising at the same time trying to do a great job here. And that was and be able to search for a stadium because there was there was a lot of work to be done on the infrastructure side. It wasn't just like it was a ready made operation and I had sort of had leanings towards those conversations. Do we want to come out in its inception? You know, it's always hard to be, you know, the canary in the coal mine in that situation. But again, full credit to Bobby Dooley and the congratulations. So and then Sam Dora who works for the league now and and, and the owners there, Tim Reister. I mean, again, Bill Cross, these are guys I still talk to and have a ton of respect for. So it's but in knowing this and me seeing really like a very global perspective, what was best for Arizona soccer, because I always worked for ODP and always looked for what was best. People felt betrayed. I mean, I was a Tucson guide. We, we would play against Phoenix rising and we had some wins against Fort Phoenix wolves. We had, 
success against other Phoenix teams in Open Cups. And people, again, people were very unhappy. It, it was it, it felt like betrayal to uh, uh, the Cactus Pricks. I don't think we've ever really truly recovered in that way, although we're still – but, I mean, the way they felt about it, I think that was – but, again, when you're the one who's going, look, I've, I've – I've maxed out every car. I've done everything I can do at that this point in my understanding of how to raise capital, which, again, I was a coach. I wasn't a, as versed as I am now in doing different things and selling partnerships. And I've grown in all these areas. But, again, we wanted stability for the organization. We wanted growth. We wanted a chance at being professional here. And I think Rising wanted to invest and do great things here in Tucson. I, I know they did, but they have to, businesses have to make choices at times. Sometimes the choices – are brutal and the the coming together of them how they people how they felt rising doing what they needed to do and emotionally left me holding the baby in that sense and it was so great that Brett Johnson came in and, and did what he did taking on the club as he moved himself away from rising and was working on his efforts and again and I give credit to everyone I think everyone played a positive role and circumstances were difficult and then the pandemic I mean look Everyone had to get through. Other clubs got through the band, but again, we've we've had, we've been a little bit star-crossed in ways. We've had incredible fortune in different ways, and I always try to look at the positive things. But yeah, I mean, rising, rising ended up being. I I think I looked at it a little bit more naively than I could have. I don't know that I wouldn't have still done it, but I probably probably would have, you know, probably explained it better and told rising what we needed. But again, I was coming back from Oklahoma, I, I, they had decided to do this all without me and it made partnerships. I was, I, I just really wanted a job. And I said, Bobby, I said, I said, I'm the most equipped to do this. And Bobby's like, are you going to be able to do it? You know, and say, and I did, I just, at that point, you're, you're an employee. It's, it's, it's okay. I was, I was an employee. I was given a position and opportunity and I was able to regrow that opportunity. But again, it just didn't go quite the way we wanted to. I have, Tons of respect for Phoenix Rising. I only USL only does well in Arizona with all USL teams doing well. All of us need the teams to do well to improve valuations and to improve our opportunities of getting more investment, which we all need, whether it's corporate or individually for each club or otherwise, and new teams in the league. So again, it's short-sighted to be that, but I think I was a little naive about how much ASU hates U of A, and that's how people looked at it. You know, like you you were you were fighting the good fight and you were winning battles as an underdog. And we loved you for that. Now you're, you're complicit, you know, and just, you know, I, 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 again, again, I get it from all sides. And like I said, I'll like you, you, you've yelled at me at games. I take I, I get you. Like I take the perspective and I, I think I can walk away understanding people. And I think that's where you can generate levels of respect. You know, I mean, uh, you know, We've had some battles with, you know, I had some battles with Jay. I've had some battles with Darren, and I wouldn't say that we're, you know, in the best, you know, but I always respect what both of them have done on the field and their commitment to the game and their absolute intensity, and they deserve that respect, um, even though everyone in Rising and we've all had differences. I mean, I, I only wish soccer the best and the better the excitement is and the more rivals we have and whether we're, re we're real heels or heels for the night, I mean, that's what needs to happen. Um, so Rich, do you have 
Any any more questions? I know we're coming up pretty close on on our hour mark here. Um, was there anything that you uh, didn't get asked that you wanted to? No, this has been a fantastic interview. I appreciate all the insight, the background stories, um, the responses to the questions. Uh, I love the the fan questions that we've been getting too. This has been such a fun interview to listen to. Like, I really appreciate your time here, John. Thank you so much, Brian. I think you've done a great job, Rich. Again, I'm going to be more of a fan of the show. I wish, I wish, I wish I, you know, had an opportunity to to hear some of the things you might have had in the banter. But Brian, I really, again, I appreciate that you guys do this. You take the time to cover this league. You take the time to try to share, to engage with the fan, to try to understand the coaches and what makes it happen. And so, again, I have nothing but time for you for questions and dms and as best as i can just know that if i'm not responding keep hitting me up i just i'm trying to do something you know remarkable here for this community and in all the usl and communities and uh you know we're, we're right in the middle of our event and we're excited for you know montreal to play minnesota united next saturday and uh for all the usl teams that are pouring in after that so incredible gratitude for you having me well, awesome. Do you have any uh, final comments that you want to say to all the fans or anything like that that are listening? Support your local team. Always support your local team. If you don't like what they're doing, support them and vocalize it in a positive way in the venue. But don't don't try to understand. Try to ask questions. Come to ask for town halls. Ask for the understanding. But you've got to support them through thick and thin if you want them to be a, a cornerstone of the community. And uh, I've had that too, some, but again, I think it's easy for, for frustrations are, are easy, but coming there and supporting your team through thick and thin, uh, it, it's, it's a great quality to have in life. It's, it's, if if you're, you have a team, your team is part of your family and your family, you support them when things are good, when things are bad and you help them through it and you help. But, but on the flip side, you know, I, I, I want, I want to say the teams do have the responsibility of trying the best to make you understanding and, and being open about as much as they can be within reason so that you have a reasoning to bring to other people why you're sticking with them or why certain things went down the way they went down. So to have a venue to talk about that here is 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 met with incredible gratitude for me. And and you guys are, are doing a incredible job of 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 giving those types of platforms to discuss these things so that positive outcomes can come from them. Awesome. Well, yeah, we're hitting that hour mark here. So uh, I just want to thank you again, John, for coming on. Um, it was when I heard we we were able to snag you, I got really excited and I wanted to tell you the story about Creighton. So uh, it's nice to know that uh, that you didn't take it personally. So and and thanks and thanks for repping the shirt and make sure you you take care of my guy Luca. He's a, I've never had a player that trained like he was trying to make the team when he was the captain of the team. Um, I just, that's how great a person you have in, in that competitor. And like I said, I love that you rep the t-shirt and we'll make another cool one. Hopefully that you'll like as much, but again, just appreciate your supporting lower league football, particularly USL. So thank you. Hey, well, that has been another episode of league one on the rocks. So we will, have another episode for you guys soon. Um, hopefully when whatever Rich starts to feel a little bit better, we can uh, figure out exactly what our next move is. But we do have some exciting things kind of lined up, um, some more interviews, and then season is right around the corner. So we will be making 
preseason predictions and we'll talk about the season preseason when it starts going. So uh, a lot of really good content coming some more for you guys. So uh, again, just thank you guys all for listening. And if, if you haven't subscribed or liked, uh, make sure you do that. So then you can hear our beautiful voices more often. So um, with that, I think I I'm good. Rich, are you good? I'm good. All righty. So we will see you guys on the next one. Thank you.